Welcome to the Chile Today podcast. I'm Bethany Francis. And I'm Lenny Kluge. We're two immigrants living in Chile talking about Chilean news, cultural events, travel, business, and more. If you want to support our podcast, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the Chile Today podcast. That's one word. www.patreon.com slash the Chile Today podcast. I'm here sitting, looking at my screen and <laughs> eating chips or whatever's left of it. And chips sipping. and golf sauce? Chips and golf sauce. Which, which is famous in South America and uh, Utah. Which is a fancy name for mayo and ketchup mashed together. Did you know I researched this once? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, but so, golf sauce, which is mayonnaise and ketchup mixed together, is super like popular in South America, specifically Chile-Argentina situation. It's got to be the egg then because mayo is made with egg. Calm down. Fine. Um, it's also oddly only popular in Utah, which I don't remember what it's called in Utah, but I researched this because I was curious because there are a lot of Mormons okay. in Chile and Argentina, and the theory is is that the Mormons brought it to Chile. Or that Ch- the Chile brought Chile, Argentina, or they're not sure which came first, the so chicken or the egg, but there's a relationship between the Mormons in Utah so liking golf go, sauce. How did that go down? They were like, would you be interested in hearing more about the Book of Mormon? People, he's just like, nah. Here's some like, chips and well, golf sauce. <laughs> I'm going to sweeten the pot a little bit. Have you ever heard of golf sauce? Oh, well, come in. Tell me more. I know. So that's my, um, anyway, I got real curious one day and went down a rabbit hole of, of Chile ketchup mayonnaise. Um, and yeah, though there's, by the way, there's a lot of Mormons in Chile, if you didn't know. Yep. People always call me a Mormon when I went to, when I still had a job where I had to wear a suit and a tie. Yeah. You'll see all the white people walking on the street with the the suit, the, sorry, the, the white shirt with the pants and and the pin. And me on my bike with a helmet. Aww. And people were just like, you just need a black name tag and you're And you're done. And you're there. You're there, brother. Elder Lenny, they call me. (laughs) Is that what they say? Elder? Yeah. It's because you're old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so events. Uh, so events coming up. Uh, the next event is going Oz going to be on August 26th with its a bilingual comedy show in Providencia at the Gran Refugio. Tell them a little bit more about that, Lenny. It's going to be a bilingual comedy show. <laughs> I'm going said to be, that. I know, but, you know, bears repeating. I'm going to be performing, actually. I'm probably going to do Spanish. Where, where's set. the bear? Where's the what? What bear? You said bears repeating. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna probably gonna do a Spanish bit. Not quite sure yet, but looks like it. And it's gonna be. He's four he's more. really funny when he speaks Spanish. Apparently not when I'm speaking English, or apparently that's what you're insinuating. Yeah, no. Thank you, Bethany. But there are gonna be four more performers and one host. It's gonna be at the Gran Refugio in the Barrio Italia, not the one in the center. Watch out for that. Don't go to the wrong place. It's mm-hmm. the new place. It's mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. And I think you could also make a case that it's a bit safer than in the center, so maybe you. Oh feel my goodness! Calm down. Yeah, well, you know things happen, but okay. They're like two. Yeah, they're two blocks from each other, dude. Oh, well. Okay. Anyway, uh, so on August thirtieth, we also have a really cool book exchange. All you have to do to that one is bring a book in English that you don't mind trading with another person. We're gonna play a game to see which book you're gonna get. It's gonna be super fun. It's called Knife Fight. It's called Knife Fight for books. No, it's it's not that intense. Oh man! Um, and it, it's gonna be really fun. So all you have to do is bring and uh, book in English. Again, all of these events are gonna have more info on our Instagram and our Facebook. So if you're a little bit confused and you don't remember the dates, check those out. And then what's our last event? Our last event is going to be the recently moved pub quiz. 
the Trivia Night on the 10th of September, which mm -hmm. was originally to be held on the, what was it, the 20th? The 20th of, the 20th of 20th, August. The 20th, but for reasons we had to move it, and now we're going to be holding it on September 10th, so it's going to be kind of like a one week before the Fiesta Spadrias, actually, so... So get your fiesta on early. Get your fiesta on. Yeah, actually, we do it before because you still have your brain cells to answer the to questions. To answer questions. Yeah, that's That would we... be fun. Like, we could do the same questions before and after to see how... <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It sounds like a scientific study. Yeah. Studies have shown that. Studies have shown that you can be asked exact same questions and get them wrong when you got them right the first time after Fiesta's Patrias. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, so, if yeah. you're a Patreon follower, you are going to not only get a lot of other cool info about chilling out and Chile, but you're going to get discounts or free beer or something at in all of those events. Um, and yeah, so you should be on our Patreon. And if you're visiting Chile, it's always a good thing because we have tips there. What apps do you need on your phone? How's the best way to get around? Where's the best brunch spots? All that stuff. We spend yep. a lot of time doing research, so you don't have to. I just heard something else, buddy. What? We have tips there. Was that what? What did she say? Just a tip. <laughs> yeah, we got. Tips um, there. that's Patreon.com/slash The Chile Today Podcast. So. Uh, check that out, and uh, any more info you can always ask us on other internet social medias. That's correct. We're here for you guys. Mm -hmm. You need a you know, shoulder a to lean voice. on. I know, I'm a soft guy. I just look scary. <laughs> yeah, you are soft. Okay, news! You start with the news. Am I starting? You are starting with the news. Oh, so there's been a massive sinkhole that just was discovered in Chile, and authorities are quite perplexed and puzzled. Yeah. So uh, odds are, if you don't even even if you don't follow Chilean news, odds are that you've heard of it because that thing has made the rounds. Well, there like sinkholes are like I have pe I have friends who are um, <laughs> irrationally scared of sinkholes. Really? Because they just appear. Like you're just be walking down the street and something like a sinkhole, like because they appear like. Yeah, I mean, it's that, not a that, slow thing. It's like bam. Suck. It's like yeah. a, they, yeah. It's like a portal to another realm kind of situation. I mean, it does look like a portal to it. Hell. It it does. And anyway, so we just got one in Chile. We got our own sinkhole. Um, yeah, <laughs> finally, we're number Chile one. number one. It's six hundred and fifty-six feet from top to bottom, and it opened up over uh, the first weekend of August. And it could fit the entire Washington Monument inside with 100 feet to spare. Use the metric. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Uh, no, I will not use the metric I will system. use I will multiples use of Washington I will use monuments. The, I am an American, and I will use the Washington Monument scale. as, the, mon as a, the Washington Monument scale with 100 more feet so that you understand just, for good measure. just how big it is. Just for good measure. And just to avoid the metric system. Okay, so the officials are working out to determine what the cause of the massive sinkhole was, but it's probably mining. It was near the town of the mining town of Tierra Amarilla, um, and it's also a wide sinkhole. So they were just talking about how deep it is, but it's also fairly wide. And uh, the National Geology and Mining Service, also called Cernagiomin. Sorry. First estimated the diameter to be about 82 feet wide, but it's proved to be even larger upon further expression. Expression? What? Inspection. So it's about 105 feet wide, actually. Um, so oh, I just Did, wanted to say, just wanted to say, the Washington Monument is only 55 feet wide, by oh, the way. Fine. <laughs> so um, there is the, the agency uh, said that they've detected 
they haven't detected any material, but there is a large presence of water. Um, so the land That's is something. owned by a Canadian mining corporation called Lundin Mining Corp. And it's near um, the company's Minera Ojos del Salado Copper Mining Operation. Um, and the company said that that was Monday, that was the, what day was the August 6th, I believe? Sorry. Yeah. Was it Monday? Mo- Monday? August 6th? Uh, no. We are August. We're in the past and you're in the future. The first, the first. Said on the first that the sinkhole has been stable since it was detected and there have been no injuries. So. One of the mines nearby is also being monitored as uh, to make sure that there is no movement related to the sinkhole. Uh, as a preventative measure, um, the mine has been temporarily closed to monitor the sinkhole um, hole. Uh, so they're still trying to determine the cause, the specific cause, but if you don't know, sinkholes are pits that form suddenly, like really kind of scarily, over areas where water gathers underground without any external drainage, causing the water to carve out subterranean caverns. Live Science previously has reported about this. Sinkholes also form regularly near old and active mines, so this is not that surprising, where large amounts of rock and ore have been extracted. Kind of like the fact that we don't have more sinkholes is kind of surprising. Mines, yeah. the, the thing that you do in mines. Yeah. Um, sinkholes sometimes uh, form gradually over many years, but can often quite suddenly happen, taking cars, homes, and s- even streets down with them. And Washington Monument. And the Washington Monument. That's where it went. Not only one. <laughs> it's not there anymore. Check. <laughs> it moved to Chile and then it just disappeared in the sinkhole. It's the only reason it the exists. The Washington Monument disappeared from Washington. It yep. appeared in Chile. The Washington Monument got up in Washington was like, my time has come. This is the day that I've been waiting for. I'm going to Chile. Mm-hmm. It so, was supposed to be part of the Moai Heads Pretty Nice. <laughs> Didn't get made the cup. Okay, uh, what part of the Moai Head is it? Okay, so Chris, Cristobal Suñiga, who is the mayor of Tierra Maria, told the local radio station that the Alcaparrosa mining operation has already taken a toll on its community. And according to the mayor, trimmers and daily blastings from the mines have just, quote, destroyed houses, streets, and today have even destroyed the ground. Today it happened in a space that is already an agricultural property, but our greatest fear now is that this could happen in a populated place, on a street, or in a school. Because that's the, the thing. This was not a populated place, and the sinkhole yeah. just appeared completely suddenly. But that's that's true. It, I mean, that is really scary. Right. So, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm by no means a sinkologist, but... Geolog- a geologist. Sinkholo- <laughs> sinkologist. A geologist. We'll a sinkologist. A specialist in sinkholes. He doesn't know no, anything about holes, ladies and men. Sinkhole. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I've set myself up for that one. Yeah. Sinkologist. No, what? Sinkologist. Sinkologist. Hey, Queen, we're done. We're done. Oh, Move no. on. But no, what I was saying is like, I mean, really if, you see pictures, if you see you pictures should. of this whole thing, I mean, it's almost perfectly round it looks very man-made i'm talking about the sinkhole i don't even know where your head went right now but i'm trying to do a very serious just news look, we'll just we'll put pictures on instagram thingy. of just the sinkhole not what he's talking about look at the round sinkhole it's so round fine got any more no i'm good it's your turn you good okay it's your turn i'm gonna talk about already went something that is a lot more exciting <laughs> than sinkholes i'm gonna talk about tax reform Ooh, oh yeah i can already see, see i'm the fun parents in the podcast yep yep 
I can already see your eyes glazing over. So let's see. As you all know, Chile is an OECD country since 2010. OECD. OECD. It's like OCD. What? No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's always very... But Orch, President Borch does have OCD. Yeah, so Chile now is officially on OECD. It's also he is an OCD diagnosed, country. Not the fake OCD that people are like, oh my gosh, my pins have and to be in the line. So Chile is an OECD country since 2010, but still lags behind its peers with regard to a couple of things. And one of these things are taxes and tax income. Taxes. Taxes. We have less taxes than the rest of the world. We have yeah. less taxes? Yeah. yeah. Only the U.S. has We only taxes. have Mason, which is our friend from Texas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so actually, what you just said is right, because Chile has by far the lowest tax burden on income among all OECD members. Jesus, and why is it so expensive to with have books in this seven country? Oh, that's a completely different can of worms. But with 7%, it's even less than half uh, than the second to last country on that list has, which is New Zealand, which has 169 Right. Like that's and this is on corporations, right? No, 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 that's income. That's just income tax. Oh, that's tax. income tax. Yeah, that's income ah. tax. Which, you know, on an individual level, that's, you know, great, you know, yeah. but it also puts Chile squarely in, on third to last place when it comes to uh, tax revenue as a percentage of the country's GDP. Because with merely 20.7%, it's just ahead of Mexico and Colombia. And as a reference, the OECD average is 33.8. So Chile, 20.7, OECD average, 33.8. But to be fair... Chile, Colombia, Mexico also share the bottom three t places of GDP per capita. So there's a little correlation there. Now, in order to catch up with their peers... Catch up. Catch up, right? And Golf in source. order to be able to finance the social wel welfare programs that are coming down the pike, as well as, you know, as well as like upcoming costs of the country's decentralization endeavors, Finance Minister Mario Marcel presented the administration's project for a tax reform. This reform is supposed to increase tax revenue by 4.1% of the GDP, which is about $12 billion, or as they say, 12,000 mil, 12, million. Millones. And it's supposed to be implemented gradually over the next couple of years. It's still, on, it's still only a project, and it has to be discussed in Congress, but it proposes some interesting changes, I think, and some of which would actually concern your average Joe. Honestly, I think Your I could... Average Juan. Average Juan, average Jane, if you will. And honestly, I think we could probably make this an episode of its own, but... Your average Jose. You know, more than 10 minutes of this will probably make your nose bleed and your eyes glaze over. So, you know, I'm just going to touch on a couple of key points here because I'm nice and I've learned my lesson. Let's first talk to uh, talk about changes to the income tax. So first mm -hmm. off, 97% of people will not be affected by the income tax changes including the 75% that earn so little that they are exempt anyway from taxes. Right. So no worries. The first changes will be made to the fifth tax bracket, which concerns people that earn more than $4 million per month approximately, which is, I wish I was part of that segment. Definitely, I'm, I'm not. Yep. I'm not even in that in my household income. Yeah, nope. So the changes to the to the fifth and the following tax brackets are that uh, the tax rates will be slightly higher, from, from, for example, in the fifth year, they're going to be lifted from 23% to 26%, and in the sixth year, from 30 to 35%, and so on and so forth. 
and the income thresholds of the three biggest tax bracket will be lowered at the same time. So if you earn, let's say, seven million a month, hypothetically, well, hypothetically, seven, Bethany, seven, if you earn seven uh, million, have it, have it. <laughs> you know. oh gosh, getting close there. Oh boy, yeah. So if you let's say you earn seven million per month, I mean that high number because otherwise it would affect you. Currently, you'd still be in the sixth, sixth tax bracket paying a marginal income tax of 30%, under the new proposal, you'd be bumped up to the seventh tax bracket. So they don't only crank up the, the percentages, but they also lower the thresholds of when you get into the next tax bracket, if that makes any sure. sense. Now, the difference is especially noticeable to, between the seventh and the eighth tier, because currently you could earn around 18 million pesos Jesus. per month and still wouldn't be in the highest tax bracket. Jesus. The new proposal will lower that threshold to about Eight million. So they're going to they're gonna slash that by 10 million. And I think that's, you know, I assume that's probably going to be one of the changes that's going to have the biggest impact. And I'm know? sure that's going to be funding what I'm going to talk about next. So now, next thing is support for the middle class. The plans to take the, 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 the plan plans. That's a great phrasing of that I put there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, tax the planification. Reform. Yeah, the project plans to take the burden off the shoulders of the middle class and those in precarious socioeconomic situations because the draft uh, the draft of the reform would allow for rental costs to be deduced from uh, deduced or deducted? Deducted. Deducted, right. Would be allowed to deduct it from the income in order to ca- calculate their income tax with a maximum of 450,000 per month. So okay. for example, if somebody earns Two million before taxes, and pays five hundred in rent per month. They can deduct not five hundred but four hundred fifty because that's the maximum that you can deduct, right? Nice. From their income, so basically, that their income tax will only be calculated based on an income of theoretically one million five hundred fifty thousand. Right. Know? Okay. So you know there's a I mean? tax deduction based on your rent. Exactly, based on the rent that you pay. So that would. Yeah. Also, effectively, that would land you in another tax bracket in this particular scenario. Uh, scenario, right? So that that's awesome for you. Thank you. Yeah, well, of course, I worked hard on this tax <laughs> reform proposal. Uh-huh. It took me a couple of hours to draft it. So the same, the same would also go for costs related to caretaking of children. So this, the same would go for costs related to caretaking of children younger than two years, or people with quote, severe dependencies, which I assume includes people with disabilities and the elderly. In the proposal, they highlighted that they mean to incorporate a gender perspective, as it's usually women that take care of caretaking, so right. to speak, which made me cringe a little bit, but all right, you know. No, but I mean, like, at least... Yeah, I mean, yes, it's the reality of the situation, but at the same time, I feel it's kind of like fostering a stereotype, you know what I mean? It's yes. not a stereotype, but in a way, you want more men also to take care of that, so... Right, but the... the... You get what I mean, right? I know what you mean, but at the same time, there is such a high burden of the responsibility legitimately on yeah. women to take care of children because, for example, the way that maternity leave is situated in this country... It is maternity leave, yeah. not really paternity yeah. leave. Yeah. So the burden of that caretaking does go to the woman. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, we agree on that one. And, it's just... You know, so I understand what it's saying, and all of those, that type of labor is not credited. And as it is culturally, that labor goes to women. It, it yep. just does. Unfortunately, I wish we could change that. But the way that sociology works is you got to change with reforms before you can change the culture. So Change the world. Make it a better place. So Be a unicorn. The, yeah, be a unicorn. Spread you know, your unicorn wings. Unicorn is awesome, yeah. I lost unicorns, the metaphor. Unicorns don't I lost wings. the metaphor. 
Yeah, that would be Pegasus, <laughs> even though would be Valkyrie. Nice cross. Okay, back on track. Dragons. So, apparently, so what I, from, from what I understood first is that because because what they're trying to do here to say, hey, if you have costs associated with caretaking, you can also deduct this from your tax calculation base in order to pay lower income tax. But then I heard somebody explain on TV that it, apparently this doesn't apply for just your average mom, whatever. You can't just basically hand the receipt for diapers. Right. And apparently this only works if you have hired somebody to do the caretaking. Ah, which then again, a nana. Would, that would, But then again, that wouldn't really be such a focus on the middle class after all. So I don't know. It's still up for the I debate, mean, so. but, but here's the thing. This is this is the thing. The middle class Tell me the thing. in Chile they mostly all have nanas, even the middle class. Like they don't. I'm not saying that the nanas get paid what they should get paid, but I'm telling you, all of my friends that are my age that don't make more than I make have nanas for their kids to take care of their kids okay, when they're at work. Fine, but then also like the point of this whole thing is not to only help the middle class, but also but like the, these the, are middle class reforms. Yeah. Well, not necessarily. I mean, but that's okay, what it's, you said. it's okay. Yeah, well, no, the title was like helping the middle class, but I think who would benefit more. Oh, okay well not necessarily the poorest would benefit because they don't have to pay income tax anyway but then again right, you know so you start paying income tax if you earn more than seven hundred seven thousand per month which is really not that much no but know? but but what i'm saying is like the i want to emphasize that for example having in the u.s having a nana is an upper class upper kind of thing to take care of your oh, kids yeah, no, no. It's Same very Europe. expensive Same it's Europe. super not something very common here it is extremely common for the average Joe and Jane and gender neutral name, Jaina. Robin. <laughs> Robin average Robin. I don't the know. average penguin to uh, to hire a Nana to take care of their kids so that they can work or they can go hang out with their friends or do it. It's part of the culture yeah. in, in Chile. Actually, I had a, a student recently, this anecdote, uh, that was like, oh, yeah, because I was explaining like, oh, yeah, my mom... When I grew up, my mom was a working mom. And she goes, oh, yeah, my mom was a working mom. It didn't bother me at all because I had my nana. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. My mom works. But I was trying to tell you, know, I was trying to be like, yeah, working moms are great, blah, blah, blah. I never thought anything else. And she's like, yeah, no, because of our nanas. And I was like, no, 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 I didn't have a nana either. And it still was fun. And she could not understand, like, this idea of, like, not having a nana. Yeah was like totally foreign to her or like why wouldn't you hire a nana for your kid and i'm like it's just not it's not the culture it's also not affordable you know because yeah. they don't pay nanas crap in this country yeah, yeah. they pay them and I mean, absolutely I, crap honestly i mean i don't have kids but we also have like a, a nana that comes to that clean cleans. our house once a week which is actually not a lot because i know mm -hmm. a lot of people who have have them come in like almost every day or at least oh, like yeah. three four times a week but uh like honestly like it's hard for me to imagine not having a person that cleans up your house once like you get used to it yeah like it's <laughs> really the, it's the thing it. is like when i first came here the idea of having a nana was like i would never do that now i don't i still don't have a nana because i'd still just not my thing it's just not me um and um neither my, my fiance but like are my swag that my mother-in-law my future mother-in-law cleaning is, is also just not my not, thing we just live in it no, like, I'm just, I'm just very personal. I don't like people touch my stuff. And um, my mother-in-law, my future mother-in-law, cannot understand it for the life of her why we don't have a Nana. She, she has a Nana every every day come I mean, in. That was and she thing. lives alone. I mean, remember when we still, when we were on the lockdown and then 
like for me it was just like oh my god we have to clean our own shit now yeah and everybody's like we have to clean our own stuff and i was like and then i don't know like and i'm it was the a, only the one Chileans because had i talked to i talked to people and it was like i mean not that i like it but damn i clean better than my nana <laughs> i mean i don't know and then like also like again like you know people who had nanas you know with their kids all the time who had to be with their kids all the time for the first time and it was a little complicated <laughs> because uh what was your name again <laughs> Oh, you liked that? You like to eat this, and it was you know it's a little bit of a I don't know if I'd say a culture shock, but a, <laughs> a, a, a shock to parent, the system. Parent right? shock, yeah. So yeah, so that getting back on track. So let's see because as I said, like this thing is not even it's just a project. It's not even in Congress. It has to be debated, and there will be changes and yada yada. So let's see what comes of this. Another thing that they will change concerns that or that they want to change concerns real estate because until now. They're gonna take your property. I'm just kidding. Yeah, because they're gonna take that. They're gonna take that like soundbite <laughs> and like use it. Look what she said. Oh yeah, because we are really figures you know of public is. interest here. Oh hey. <laughs> oh dude. yeah, my reputation. You don't touch my reputation. So, when it comes to real estate, until now, income generated from renting our properties was exempt from income taxes as long as the property in question qualified as a DFL DOS. DFL2. So I'm not going to explain the whole thing. In short, DFL2 property is any property smaller than 140 square meters and owned by a person as opposed to a business. That's, you know, and you can a own defil. a devil, right? A devil, uh, you know, a devil in disguise. And you can own up to two of these DFL2 properties without paying any taxes on rent revenue. That was the kicker here. Now, um, under the new tax code, this exception will cease to exist and landlords will have to pay taxes on rental income. Ha! Which they will then probably pass on to the tenants. I mean, who are we kidding? God damn it. But, you know, related to this, the reform will also limit the deductibility of interest paid on mortgage loans in case that you have more than one. Because right now you could have like 10 mortgage loans, which means that, you know, you don't live in 10 apartments. Because no, maybe because you, you live in one apartment because you rent them to people. And you were eligible to basically um, deduct the interest that you pay on the mortgage loan. Now they say if you have one mortgage loan, that's fine. You can deduct that. But more than one, oh, that's good. not fine anymore. That's good. Yeah, that's kind of a loophole that they're closing there. Now, next point is going to be your favorite because it's going to be there will be there's a rich tax. Yay! There will be a rich tax which will even though it's, the ultra rich tax. Yeah, yeah, and no, not even. I wouldn't even say ultra rich tax, but it's. I think looking at it, it's so small that I don't really see how it's going to make an impact. I'm not an economist, so because that rich tax will <laughs> only apply to. I don't even know what's funny here, but okay. It will only apply to people with residence in Chile and whose so assets small. in Chile and abroad are between 4.9 and 14.7 million dollars in value. So like small. In that, yeah, but I wouldn't say ultra rich. Okay. Okay. Well, sorry. I mean, um, that's okay. So they're very rich. Very rich. Yeah. So, um, ba ba ba. Was I okay? So in that case, they will have to pay one percent of the whole asset value per year, but only on the first million dollars, which means ten thousand dollars. Okay. You know, yeah, that's not that much. That's not that much. And but you know, on top of that, they can actually book this tax as an expense and use it to deduce tax cal- uh, the uh, the tax calculation basis for the property tax. On top. I of mean, that. this is probably just a a way in which they're going to make it to where the rich aren't going to fight this bill as much. Yeah, probably. You know, now if it's more than f- if you owe more than fourteen point seven million, the tax increases to. 
1.8%. It's really not that much of a hike. And all in all, this will barely affect some 6,000 people in Chile. It's really not that much, honestly. No. So yeah, We get a lot say. of billionaires, though, for such a small country. It's it's there. It's there. And the last thing I think that's and worth mentioning is, which I thought was interesting, the corporate taxes will actually be lowered from 27 to 25%. It will be lowered, but only as long as these 2% difference are used for investments in R&D, research and development, which I think nice. is a pretty cool idea, to be honest. Like... And there are a couple of more changes to that proposal, you know, uh, like there, there are a couple of more changes that the proposal uh, proposes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> such as like changes to the capital gain tax, mining royalties, which apparently is a big thing, corrective taxes in, uh, to, in order to protect the environment. Mining has been shaking and shaking and moving these past few yeah, weeks. Yeah, but your eyes are glazing over, so, you know, just gonna... Your ears are glaze on them, glaze down yeah, ears. your eyes are bleeding, your ear, ears are glazing over or something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, so, what you got? Okay, this is super interesting. I love this. Oh, so, was as interesting as tax reform? Um, I th- I personally think it's more interesting, <gasps> but people might think tax reform is more interesting than this, but this is my jam. Oh, actually. So the government is presenting emergency um, an emergency housing plan, and the idea is to build 260,000 houses over the next four years mm-hmm. while Boric is in government. So my bud Gabrielle... <laughs> just kidding. Holla! Holla! Hey. Uh, together with the Housing and Urban Development Minister, Carlos Montes, and the Portfolio Undersecretary, Tatiana Rojas, presented, quote, the Emergency Housing Plan. This strategy was developed by MINVU, which is the Housing and Urban Development Ministry, to urgently address this deficit, the housing deficit in Chile, which is very much needed more and more every day from um this is part of the latest social and urban development law which was approved last march its objectives include recovering the state's central role in housing planning so putting more state um management there building 200,000 houses during this government's term which would cover 40 percent of the housing requirements that is a lot that's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of lot that's good. So, I mean, if it can... That's a lot of... <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. Uh, so the pre- presentation about this was held um, in the La Manuel Palace. Many government authorities, plus the housing committee, of course, were there to see it. Um, Boric emphasized the significance of the plan because, quote, this emergency housing plan must be seen as state policy. This is not something that one government or any other can simply boast about because it's much more far-reaching. He added that it is, quote, time for us to focus on solutions, not replacing, but work, working hand in hand with residents, with workers, with the public and private sectors to find a solution to this tremendous challenge that our government has taken on. So, uh, the, Carlos Montes indicated that, quote, this plan aims to strengthen various instruments, the right to decent housing with clear options, which includes a gender focus. Again, not quite sure what they mean by that. Decentralization. <laughs> it sounds like they're putting this into everything like, just for good measure. Well, like, I mean, like, they did. That, that was one of the like uh, cornerstones of Boric's um, campaign was to like focus a lot on the gender disparity. Since because there is bias um, in this country. I mean, I can tell you this right now. When I walk into an apartment to try to rent it, the conversations I can have as a woman with the real estate agent is going to be completely different than the type of conversations that Mao can have. You know, it's just the way that it is. And so I think that that's important that there is a gender focus, whether it's, you know, it should exist or not. Not in disagreement. So decentralization, important. Not everything focused in Santiago. 
participation, planning, and public-private partnership, which is important. So we got the five Ps here. The public, the participation, planning, and public-private partnership. I like it. Um, which needed to, needed to, to be degree days. That needed to be said because again, people get really like you know shaky in their boots when they're like, no, that they're doing something with housing in the state, but public-private partnership. He added that we deeply appreciate that the right to decent housing and the right to the city have been proposed in the new constitution. Um, it's a different way to understand society, this idea of right to housing. However, we cannot wait for this to go into effect with the constitution. We have to act now. This is our conviction, which is the moral foundation for free and democratic people. So they're not going to say like, we're going to see if this gets approved by the constitution to see if people have the right to housing. No, we're going to start the ball rolling with the right to housing right now. We're going to put the money into this, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's not like people are not in need until the new constitution. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a thing. That yeah. Is now. And again, it was a cornerstone of Boric's campaign and technically Boric can't be involved in the Prabhu so it's like, you're going to do something about it, bro? Do something. Put up the your whatever. Put your money where your mouth is, Put as they say. Houses where your lots are. Put your houses where your house is. Okay. So Undersecretary Tatiana Rojas mentioned that, quote, the emergency housing plan has been organized in collaboration with ministerial teams, and especially in conjunction with all of the regions of Chile. We have reflected together on the national and regional housing deficits and analyzed each municipality involving all the regions of Chile was important in building this relevant plan because the idea is that when we subsequently implement the plan, it will make sense to all communities where it will be implemented because obviously the type of housing you will need in Talca or Tocapilla or I don't know, no sé qué, will be different than what is feasible or possible in Santiago, for example. Yeah, yeah, sure. And the cost, right? You can build something cheaper in regions than maybe you can build in Santiago. I don't know. Like... Okay, so here's some key points of the housing plan. So um, it was entrusted to the Minvu, as I said. Um, and the idea is to overcome unequal access to good quality housing, which I appreciate that being a thing. So the key points are to recover the state's <clears throat> role in housing planning and management because the state pretty much has no role right now or very little role, build 260,000 houses during the government's term in office, so Boric's term, promote projects in all of the country's municipalities and ensure social facilities are included. Okay, so that means what? Social facilities in this case? Um, I think that means access to clean water, access to internet, access to things like that, because you can't okay. just put like a house in yeah, a like the a region roof. with no clean water, right? Yeah. I don't know if that means like you can, it's free. I don't think that's what it means. I think it's like you have access to clean water, to the things that you need, etc. Uh, strengthen the public land bank, which means more public land that the government has, right? And diversity for types of access to housing, such as self-management and cooperatives, and fair price rentals so not just we're not just going to do one thing right we're going to do different types of social housing like some diversification. people diversification so some people can't afford any type of housing uh, other people can pay a little bit other people yeah. want to live maybe can pay a bit and want to live in maybe a cooperative where the community which i think awesome where the community can come Thank in you and, Brent, man, and yeah crops. they actually have pretty good cooperatives in the north of chile it's interesting yeah man um, and then just prom the promotion of fair rental prices as well is also going to be under this, which 
you know, I'm all about that. Uh, uh, developing a direct relationship with residents and local governments. Um, and develop more efficient, modern, and sustainable construction processes for homes as well. So using more that's, sustainable... That's a, that's, a, that's a good one. I mean, there's probably going to be a bit more expensive to set up, but cheaper in the long run. Yeah, cheaper in the long run. Cheaper is always cheaper, right? So... <laughs> as Confucius said. <laughs> as Confucius said. Cheaper is always cheaper. Cheaper is always cheaper. <laughs> that wasn't the Dalai Lama? <laughs> no, get your quotes right, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay, uh, the Buddha. It also rep responds to this. This is also responding to a recent phenomenon in housing demand and the lifestyle of Chilean residents, such as housing mobility and their high rental values that have happened, which we are all living right now. Um, it diversifies access to housing in its tenure, and it includes measurements that respond to informal housing, Overcrowding, isolation, encampments, the need for protection, and prolonged wait lists for housing in the case of committees. It also reviewed proposals from regional governments and municipalities, which ensured that its objectives are relevant. So I just want to take a sidestep here. Um, there's within that there is like a big movement to make it like completely illegal to do what a lot of people do to really really poor people especially haitians which is like stick like 10 people in one room and then charge them rent hmm. um yeah, which is a really big problem and not not just haitians you know any poor people but like this is sort of like the, the story you hear well, a lot taxi drivers rent about that those haitians are driving the prices up yeah and it's like they're like and, and yet people are making them pay like for 10 people, like 100,000 per this little space sleeping bag with it. It's just horrible. So this is the, there is going to be like a direct um, focus on making that completely illegal. And to where like, if that is seen, it's reported completely like doing something to get these people out of those situations and into like ethical housing. Yeah, ethical and affordable. Ethic, yeah. Um, so emergency housing plan defines annual objectives specifically by region, I, I just think that that's smart because, again, regions are different. And it's also very much a focus of the current administration, the whole decentralization. Yeah, decentralization, thing. super important. And municipality and establishing a mechanism for monitoring and evaluating the progress, mm -hmm. which will be regularly reported to Congress. So uh, Minister Montes referred to the urban housing policies in the plan when he mentioned that, quote, the state's role is irreplaceable. Because the idea is, like, the only person that can do this is, like, the state has to step in to make sure this is being done in an ethical way with that funding. Rather than, I mean, a corporation maybe taking some of that money and profiting off of it. So the idea is there won't be, like, profit here from the state. The state I think will just... the libertarians are just having a stroke right now. Okay, whatever. So, <laughs> um, uh, da, 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 da. where was I? Um... Okay, so here he was talking about that the, that the Chilean people need the political will to build social housing because insecurity and segregation damages our community life. So we also have to focus on that. And he also said, so the emergency housing plan, I've said this like 14 times, significantly addresses Chile's housing requirements. He also mentioned that the solution cannot be immediately reached for everyone, but we will begin today and we can define the path that will take us forward, right? So the goal is 40%. That is... Am ambitious yeah. um but um according to them feasible i mean if you know maybe the next government can push this forward to do 40 more percent that would be amazing or improve on whatever else needs to be done yeah, or the next government be like they're poor because they want to be poor or that 
let's do away with these housing and build more malls because this is what the country needs more shopping more centers. More malls. Uh, the priority dur- so the priority during this implementation is to improve the coordination between government agencies and different sectors of society, not just public sectors, but also private sectors to achieve these objectives. So in particular, MinVu is going to coordinate with um, other administrative bodies, municipalities, regional governments to try to streamline the- these processes. So if they're going to build one of these cooperatives, maybe in Talca, they're going to work directly with the government of Talca to say like, okay, so... We're not just going to be like... You just had a big tiger. It just is always the one that comes to my, the top of my head. It's a Euro side to take care of business no, in tiger. They're like, oh, man. Because so there's so many of these things that we see like that have happened a lot in Chile where it's like, okay, well, this is what Santiaguinos need. You know, we're going to just plop that right down in the middle of Talca. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, they're, what the people of this region or this city or this might need something different maybe a different type of access to internet maybe they need heat because they live in the south right. you know all of these kinds of things um are going to be different where do we build these buildings you know we have to make sure they're accessible to the hospital to the clinics to the schools you know these all need to be conversations had with the people who live there right um and hopefully the, the local governments know a little bit about what's going on um so um this is also the idea is working with the local governments will also help to include sanitation, electricity, and utilities right. in the most convenient and price efficient way. That's their goal. So um, there are approximately 80,000 families living in encampments, and the plan includes measures specifically aimed at helping them through what's called the Construyende Barrios, Building Neighborhoods. Program it will address the 300 camp- encampments or irregular urban settlements that are being rectified, which will regulate and urbanize them to benefit more than 25,000 families. So, um, Minvu estimates that the project house demand in Chile for 20, 2022 is 643,534 houses, based on data from the 2017 census Mm -hmm. and the current 80,000 families living in encampments. The plan will address at least 40% of these housing requirements, as I said earlier, mostly concentrated in the metropolitan region um, because the metropolitan region also contains around 40% of the national shortage, which makes sense because everybody lives in Santiago. This is then followed by Vapores on the Biobio region. And there you go. And so I really hope that works out. You know, don't get too excited. Don't put the horse before the... Wait, don't don't put the horse before the house. Because the horse can pull the house. (laughs) The the horse can't pull the house. You need the barn first. Um, So don't look a gift horse in the mouth, as they say. Uh, so we'll t- <laughs> don't look a gift house in the door. Don't look whatever. a gift horse in the house. <laughs> this is getting away from us. Yep, yep. But I'm very hopeful about that. I really hope that works out. I love this focus um, on this state plus regional planning plus it's, goals it's, of privatization. It's, it's very ambitious, f- but it's also a thing like this public-private partnership. It's something that has been taking. Hold on, I want to say like has been, has been more and more of that in recent years. I used to work for an NGO f- a few years ago, and they did put a heavy emphasis on this whole thing. It seems to be like the thing these days, right? Because I think people are really nervous about state-run 
organizations, especially when, like, I, I think housing in state is a trigger word. Like, actually, I know that, especially for Chileans. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fear there by, like, if the state has too much um, control with housing, they're going to take our houses and they're going to they're gonna take our jobs and stuff yeah. like that. And so if we, we say, no, 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 look, we're going to work with the private sector, don't worry, people are a little bit more calm yeah. and a little bit more like, okay, well, let's see how this works yeah, out. Yeah, people don't have a very positive image of the government in the Americas, I would even say. Like, no, in Europe, yeah, it's in a bit Americas. different. I think yeah. it's more like... Yeah, I think I told you I'm watching, like, this... I'm watching this uh, political drama series from Denmark right now on Netflix, and they were talking about the welfare state, and blah, 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 and it's just, like, so positive, everything. Yeah. It's like, yes, we have high taxes. Ain't that great? And I'm just like, this is a completely different reality. Yeah, it's just so, <laughs> such a different reality, the way that you talk about things. Like, high taxes versus high taxes. You know, like, yeah. it's such a it's such a different perspective, but it's almost like they're different continents or something. <laughs> crazy, what? crazy shit. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, go Mindu. That is, uh, that's what's on the docket. I think that's super exciting. Um, do you have anything else? For no, us? I ain't got nothing, nothing else. I hope you guys liked this episode. It wasn't the longest episode, but we're trying to give you like more short, little bite-sized pieces of episodes every other week. Um, bite-sized and crispy. Crispy, and delicious. Mmm. Mm. Sinkholes. Yes. Uh, so if you have any questions, any ideas, anything like that, uh, you can always message us on our Instagram or our Facebook at Chile Today Podcast. Our email is chilitodaypodcast at gmail.com if you have questions. We also have a Discord if you're at the $10 or above level on Patreon where we can talk to you basically instantly about any sort of questions that you have um, or if you want to chit-chat or if you are stuck in a metro station or you want to hang out whatever so check out our patreon yeah, so if you're on patreon you get discords and discounts you get discords you get discounts you get free merch and or like merch that's, and we might diss you yeah. personal dissing if you want a personal roast i'll do it yep I, i'll cook see you that. a roast and i'll roast you anyway thanks for tuning in <laughs> uh so when in doubt gringo out bye 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 The Chile Today podcast is hosted by Lennart Kluge and Bethany Francis and produced by Diego Pinguino Rivera. For more information on the news topics you heard today, check out chiletoday.cl.